Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, a podcast with one host about one console. The Xbox One, uh, Xbox Series X, Xbox Series S, Xbox One X, Xbox One, and Xbox One S, and Xbox One S All Digital Edition. It's the it's the show about a lot of different Xboxes. I am said host Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of November twelfth, twenty twenty, including Microsoft has finally released their next generation console, the Xbox Series S, and the Xbox Series. X. Rumors of Microsoft buying a Japanese game developer rise again. Some studios got bought while others posted some financial losses and more. And with that, we finally made it to the launch of Microsoft's next generation Xbox consoles, the X and the S. Uh, it's crazy to think they're finally out now. I've, I mean, obviously this is just a big momentous occasion for Microsoft and for Xbox. And also even for this podcast, it's just, I don't know. I feel like, you know, this, here we are on episode 75. This podcast started last summer, you know, talking all about the Xbox one with the understanding that we were just, you know, on the horizon, there was the next generation happening and, and now here we are, 75 episodes later, we've gone from just knowing that it was, you know, in the in the near future to learning its project name to getting a reveal of it to learning just all this slow trickle of news to finally now having them in our hands or for a lot of us we have them in our hands and, and I understand not everyone got one so first of all big big uh pour one out for all for all my Xbox homies who weren't able to get their hands on an Xbox Series X or S hopefully you're able to uh, snag one sooner rather than later. It looks like a lot of retailers are kind of just getting random s- shipments or stock here and there. So just kind of find your local Targets, Best Buys, GameStops, Walmarts, or, or equivalents, and just kind of hound those poor minimum wage workers. Just constantly just stop by, bug them in the middle of a pandemic in person or by phone, and just tell them like, hey, hey you guys got any of those Xboxes? And Sooner or later, someone's bound to have one. Uh, I mean, that's 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 how I got my Xbox One, and I think that's just kind of something you got to do sometimes. So stay strong. Sooner rather than later, we'll all be together as on, on the same current generation of hardware. But in the meantime, the good news is obviously the Xbox One and One X are totally suitable pieces of hardware because there are no console exclusives to the Xbox Series S and X. So. At least there's that in the meantime. Uh, so you're not totally missing out. But, you know, for those of us who did manage to get one, obviously, congratulations. I hope you're loving and enjoying your new Xbox Series S or X. I know I'm super excited to finally have one and to finally play with one. You know, after weeks and weeks of all of us just kind of having to sit around and watch all these influencers and media people just be like, hey, I got an Xbox, I got an Xbox. It seemed like Microsoft was basically just giving these things away to anyone who had even any remote inkling of a following. But yeah, I mean, it just, it kind of went from like, oh, cool, people are, you know, reviewers are finally starting to get an Xbox Series X, this is happening, but it it quickly turned into like, okay, this is fucking annoying, I don't need to see the 8,000th you know, Twitter user with 7,000 followers who's like, all right, guys, here's my unboxing of my Xbox Series X. Yo, man, let's fucking go, dog. We're going to do this. And it's like, all right, man, I, I got, 
Yeah, I got you. I already saw the IGN one and the Game GameSpot one and the fucking Digital Foundry one and all the you know like I get it. I get it. It comes in a box. Fuck off. So it's nice. What I'm trying to say to finally be at the point where we don't have to rely on these other people to show us what they got early and we can all just finally have our Xboxes and experience them ourselves and rather than having to watch the videos on comparing the spec sheets of the One X to the Series X to the PS4 Pro to the PS5, we can just enjoy our Xboxes without doing any of that shit because... That's what these things are for. It's for playing games. So with that said, with all that preamble and just or just rambling out of the way, let's let's talk about the Series X and S a little bit. So obviously it came out. I'm recording this on Wednesday night, a little later than usual. It came out yesterday on Tuesday the 10th. And so I've had almost two full days with the console. I got mine kind of early afternoon-ish. I think Amazon delivered mine around 1 p.m. I was actually extremely surprised. I was I was like trying to fully prep myself for this idea that Amazon was going to fuck it up and, and deliver mine a day late. But nope, they, they delivered it, you know, by like 1 p.m. on Tuesday. So I that, that went about as smoothly as I could have hoped for it to have gone. So that's, you know, props to Amazon for not fucking that up. But yeah, I mean, I got mine. What, what can I say? My girlfriend texted me. And she's like, Jesse, your, your Xbox arrived. And I was out at Disney World just trying to like keep my mind busy for the morning because I figured I'd just be glued to the door all day waiting for that package and then be disappointed if it didn't come on time. So I try to like get out in the morning and keep myself busy. And literally she texts me. She's like, oh no, it's here. I'm like, holy fuck. And I just like dropped everything and ran home. I, I didn't even, I didn't even go to the parking lot and get in my car. I just, I, I was too excited to think about that. I actually ran home. I, I jogged a smooth uh, 12 and a half miles all the way from Disney's Animal Kingdom theme park to my apartment. And uh, yeah, I do it again. And yeah, and just like holy fuck, here's my Xbox. Super exciting moment. Obviously, you know, there's only there's so few instances in a lifetime where you get like a brand new, you know, video game console. Especially, you know, obviously this is Xbox we're talking about here. So this is the fourth generation of Xbox. You know, there's there's a potential that yeah, you got the Xbox OG, you got the 360, you got the one, and now you got the Series X or S. But like. I mean, yeah, you can argue like, oh, well, there are refresh models of the 360 and there's the Xbox One X. And I'm not really talking about that. I'm, I'm talking about like the like solid like console generation hard refresh. There's so few examples of that. They're really just four. So this is a momentous occasion, a, a historical moment for the Xbox brand. And obviously, therefore, a really exciting moment for all of us as fans to kind of, you know, for only the fourth time in history, be like, hey, the brand new generation of xbox hardware is out and like this is day one this is you know us picking up our boxes getting ready for being introduced to the the machine where we will play games for the next presumably seven roughly seven years or so you know that's usually how these generations last anywhere between like six to eight years so man i mean it's crazy honestly i I, i'm trying to like focus on the series x but it's hard for me to talk about without without bringing up the Xbox One so much because like when the Xbox One came out, it like to me it felt like it's time, like it's way beyond time for a new Xbox. Like Xbox 360 came out when I was like in the tail end of fifth grade, okay, and then <laughs> Xbox One came out my senior year of high school. Like I guess the real thing is, I mean, yes, that was a long console generation, especially because. The 2008 recession really fucked up, you know, the games industry and kind of set things back. And that's kind of infamously the 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 pointer to why that generation lasted so long. But like, 
aside from that, it's just like the fact that all these se- seminal moments of my life, like elementary school, middle school, high school, just all these like massive, like large milestone moments of your life just kind of passed by in one console generation made the Xbox 360 feel like it was like my entire fucking life was this one Xbox. And so when the when the Xbox One came out, it was like, oh my God, this is like two years late. Like it's fucking time we get a new console. But I don't feel that way with the Series X whatsoever. With with the Series X, I, I like my my knee jerk reaction, like every time I think about this thing being out is like I can't believe the Xbox One is seven years old. Like, it makes me feel so old. Like, Xbox One came out the end of my senior year of high school, and it was kind of... I I was in school for a little longer, in college for a little longer than maybe most are, so I was there for about five years. So, really, the bulk of my experience with the Xbox One just feels like the thing I played video games on throughout college, you know? Like, there's, like, a little bit of high school in there, and then, obviously, this past year or so, I've been out of college, but, like, for the massive majority of the time that Xbox One was around, it just felt like my college video game machine. So, it's just weird, like, how technically... Xbox One's lifespan was only a year shorter than Xbox 360, but Xbox One feels like just a blip in time to me compared to 360, which is like this thing that just fucking raised me throughout like all these very lengthy and important parts of my life. So I don't know why I'm telling you all this other than just to say it's it's hard for me to accept that like now it's time to put the Xbox One away in storage whatever you got to do with it and move on to the series x i just have my xbox one kind of unplugged from the tv just sitting there in the corner and i keep noticing it i'm just like i'm so fucking sorry i don't know what to do with you and i'm gonna i'm gonna put it back i'm one of those hoarders i keep the boxes so i'm gonna put it back in the box and put it in storage and as just kind of a timepiece because i'm one of those sentimental people especially with things like this but the xbox series x it's on the entertainment center i I did. I, I've been doing a lot of preparing. Um, earlier this summer, I finally upgraded to a nice 4K TV. Uh, I I I got all like this Velcro and stuff, so I could like kind of hide all the cables and all the like the internet router and everything. So it's like all non-showing. And I got all these LED strips. I put them on the back of the TV. So now when you're looking straight at the TV, it just looks like this clean setup. I've just got the Xbox Series X, which is such a slick sexy piece of hardware and then this massive 4k tv and it's that's it it's like that's all you see and it just looks really nice and then when it's dark out you can put the leds on behind the tv and kind of give it that glow which accentuates the gaming experience if you are a real mlg gamer if you're the kind of guy who has to wear a twitch hoodie and drink a monster energy drink late at night while you competitively play overwatch and curse to your twitch stream of seven viewers but yeah, I mean, it's, it looks great. I'm super excited to have it here. And let's uh, let's stop being sentimental and just talk about the new console. So, obviously, like, initial impressions, it's hard to really be pumped about everything when, you know, at the end of the day, these machines are meant to play video games. And there's nothing like next-gen or console-exclusive here for the Xbox Series X. Obviously, that's what Halo was supposed to be. But, and, and you know... Y- as tired as it is to hear now, obviously it's sorely missed. Obviously that was supposed to be the big launch game. Master Chief's on the back of the fucking box for a reason. All these Taco Bell promotional tie-ins and Monster Energy drink tie-ins aren't coincidence. All, there was supposed to be a new Halo game this fall, and we are without it. So 
that's no, you know, that's no problem to me. There, there's an endless amount of games I want to get to, but trying to find ways to really like feel like I'm doing something new on the Xbox Series X has been something of a challenge, but also not really. Uh, mostly because Destiny 2's expansion, Beyond Light, obviously came out this week, and as a big Destiny fan, I've been enjoying the hell out of that. So. You know, I, I never had an Xbox One X, so jumping from a, a launch day Xbox One to an Xbox Series S or a Series X is a massive leap in power because I didn't have that kind of in-between step. So 4K gaming is entirely new to me. So playing Destiny, you know, Destiny 2 still hasn't gotten its next-gen patch. It will get its Xbox Series X patch in December. But even without that patch, like, I was immediately blown away by the Xbox Series X because... You boot it up, and first of all, there there's the game in 4K, and I've never seen, you know, like, 4K gaming is just inherently new to me, but that's, like, that, like, just blew my mind the second you get to the start of the screen, and I saw my Spartan, or my Spartan, sorry, <laughs> wrong Bungie game, I saw my, uh, my Titan there with, uh, it, like, rendered in beautiful 4K uh, with HDR and everything, and immediately I was like, wow, I can, I can actually tell the difference, this looks stunning. And then more importantly, the thing that like actually blew me away was how fast I got into the game because listen, I'm used to Destiny being the like like there's I've been playing Destiny for so long that the fact that it takes so long to load into shit doesn't bother me. It's just part of the experience and I know that. So like I'm used to the idea of like Oh man, here I am in the tower. Let me just press start and look at this new. It looks like I got a new pulse rifle. I got a new piece of arm uh, equipment. Let me see what that looks like. Let me see what the stats on these items are. So all you got to do is press pause, right? And you expect to look through your inventory. But no, that's not how Destiny normally works. If you're on an OG Xbox One like me, you're used to the idea of like pressing pause, waiting 20 fucking seconds for everything to like, figure shit out and for the game to like present you with just images on the screen and you're just like okay this is fine i'm gonna press pause which means i have a nice 45 seconds to check my phone and see what's happening in in the world before you know it actually loads up and shows me the pause menu and that's kind of like my experience with destiny that's just what's been normal for me but it's fucking terrifying like pressing the map button or the guide button or this pause button or whatever and just instantly getting information like oh there's there's my titan and oh there's my inventory and oh there's the map and the world and the weirdest thing is like now they've updated it to where like if you want to jump on your sparrow you just press the the view button or the guide button i always get them confused you press the button and you just press the sparrow button and instantly your guardian just gets on their sparrow and i'm like it just it blows my fucking mind because it's just so fast between the series x just loading everything fast and now the way bungie's changed how fast it is to get on a sparrow that like Destiny is throwing me off. It feels like a brand new game because everything's in 4K. Everything looks super beautiful. I got HDR. Um, the new planet Europa that comes with the expansion Beyond Light is just a beautiful like ice planet that's already like visually stunning. And so like all these visuals are just blowing me away paired with just the console being fast and the game being fast. And I don't know. I'm used to the idea of like when I when I'm on the Xbox homepage and I select Destiny as the game I want to play. You know, I have a nice. 45 minutes to go make dinner and clean up before I get into the start menu. But like with the series X, you just press destiny two and it's like, boom, it's like in no time at all. I'm there. I'm in the game. I'm playing destiny. It's just a little too fast. It's, it's scaring me how smooth and sleek and fast everything is. It's too next gen. I feel like, I feel like my life is flashing before my eyes with this console and I love it, but it's uh, it's crazy. So that's definitely like my first impression is, is how, impressive destiny 2 looks without even having its its next gen patch 
yet, which won't be out for another month, and then just how how speedy everything is. Now, that's the bulk of what I've been playing is Destiny 2. I've been working through Beyond Light, um, enjoying the hell out of that. But in addition, I have been trying to test out some other games that have Xbox Series X and S patches and updates. So I tested out a little bit of Forza Horizon 4. Game looks fucking stunning, 60 FPS, 4K. Um, all that looks phenomenal. Um, my thing is I got into it thinking maybe I'll play some Forza Horizon 4 and realized making this game look and run better didn't make me want to go back to it. So I stopped playing that. I'm just not in the mood. Uh, I Coaster Planet finally came to console and it's on Game Pass. So I'm like, okay, and it's Xbox Series X enhanced. Like, let's totally do this. So I booted that up. Um, game kind of totally sucks because it's just constantly beating you down for money it's constantly asking you to buy expansions and if you go into like the the creative mode where like people create their own theme parks and upload them and stuff and try to download other people's creations it just constantly tells you like oh this user uh has assets in their theme park that are dlc you have to buy this dlc to experience this user's theme park theme park I'm like, that's fucking stupid like it's one thing if they're like hey if you want to use the assets to build stuff, you have to have the DLC. But if you want to use someone else's level and just explore their park and they use the DLC assets, that's fine. That's free. Like, that's how you handle that. Like, that was that was bullshit. So I'll probably just delete that off my hard drive because that game instantly pissed me off and I don't have time for shitty games constantly fucking hitting you up for money. There are enough good games out there that I don't need that shit. So that's a pass. Then I played Halo Master Chief Collection, Halo 5. Actually, these are the the first two games I tested out. Played them almost instantly. Halo 5, again, like, it got an Xbox One X update, not a Series X update. But, again, I never had a One X or 4K TV, so I never got to experience that. So just, one, how fast Halo 5 loads, and two, the the kind of perks you automatically get from playing on a Series X plus the One X updates from a year or two ago just make that game look in place so much better. Super awesome to see that. Halo Master Chief Collection, it's crazy to just see that game just look so much nicer even though it's just this aging mess of a bunch of old games. And then, of course, that will be getting uh, a next-gen update soon, next week actually. And then I play Gears 5. Gears 5 is probably the most... If you're looking to play a next-generation game right now on your Xbox Series X, Gears 5 is probably your best bet. Um, That game just looks phenomenal. Um, Everything they did to make it Xbox Series X enhanced or whatever is just, like, stunning. Like, there's no... It it almost begs the question, like, why why didn't Xbox just delay Gears 5 one more year and have it be a launch title for the Xbox Series X? And obviously, I understand... You know they don't. You don't want to. You don't want to come out with your two biggest franchises in the same year because it's that's blowing your wad. So obviously the idea was Gears last year, Halo this year. But man, if they just somehow knew, if they just had the magic eight ball and could have seen into the future and known that COVID would happen and fuck everything up, they could have delayed Gears Five another year and it would have been a totally suitable next gen launch game. Because Gears Five, man, if you've never played it, like. Now's the fucking time. It just looks so good on the Series X. Um, I only played it for a little bit, but goddamn, does that look... That's the. It's the best showcase, in my opinion, of like, oh, you want to see how games look better now because of the new console? Gears 5, automatically. Super fast, super stunning looking. 
plays great. I, I like, yeah, just the ultimate example right now. Um, and then lastly, I played Bright Memory. So you might remember the game Bright Memory Infinite, which was teased at that Xbox Series X third-party games preview from May when they showed all those third-party games and everyone was disappointed about it. So Bright Memory Infinite is that game being developed by that one-man Chinese developer. FYQD is the name of the studio, of his one-man studio. And um, it's that game that looks really fucking awesome where like you play as that girl who has like, guns and a sword and she's like like slashing robots and and like creatures and monsters and stuff it looks kind of like i don't know it looks like metal gear solid meets like dark souls meets some like sci-fi fucking japanese game it looks it looks crazy and it's and and uh so bright memory is like the one level demo of bright memory infinite and he's selling it right now. It just came to Xbox. He's selling it for like eight bucks. You can download it, and it's for the Xbox Series X. So it, it's optimized. It's it's new. It's advanced. It's got all the pretty bells and whistles. So I thought, you know, it's four gigabytes. It's eight dollars. It's a great showcase of you know the new console. So let's go ahead and do that. And so I played. I played that. It's only like a forty minute demo, and it's a. Uh, Visually really impressive. The character models and the environments look stunning as hell. Um, some of the some of the enemies don't look as impressive. And the gameplay itself is like a little... I don't know. It doesn't control exactly how I thought it would be. It's a little arcadey in some ways. But the good thing is it's very PC-like where like you can control each and every little setting you want. And you can get really nerdy with the graphic settings as well. So there's a lot to toy around with in the settings and in the menus to make it play the way you want. But I think that's a pretty solid, like, if you're looking for just something new to kind of play, something you can download fast, it's not 150 gigabytes of Call of Duty that you're going to have to spend the next five years waiting for it to download. Like, this is the ideal little, like, little bite size, like, oh, you want a gameplay demo of what the Xbox Series X can do? download this now it definitely needs to be optimized a little bit i was experiencing some screen tearing while i was playing it and that definitely i could tell that was an optimization issue and not the xbox itself having an issue because it was like screen tearing at random moments um where like there wasn't intensive things happening on screen and it was like just really crappy awful screen tearing so it definitely seemed like an optimization issue also i've had zero hiccups with literally any other game on the series x so definitely that that's on the game but i'm sure he'll fix that um but yeah i mean that's a that's a that's a nice little bite-sized affordable little demo to show off the console's capabilities i think so don't sleep on that it's called bright memory it's eight bucks on on the uh, marketplace and uh you can can play that now um but yeah that's um that's the console in a nutshell like what is there what else is there to go through like it's definitely it's definitely a games machine this is definitely a different era of xbox this is definitely xbox saying hey we're done with the tv shit we're done with the all-in-one home entertainment thing i'm sure xbox is really excited to finally be getting away from the one branding the xbox one branding because now i mean when you boot up the console it's literally just says xbox like it's not we're past the whole sub-brands thing, like, the Series X, Series S, these are just the model of Xbox, but, like, like I said a year ago when the console was announced, you know, that's the whole point of this, is we're getting into a fluid state of, like, Xbox is just Xbox, and Series X feels like the full realization and embodiment of everything Phil Spencer's been trying to do since he got put in charge of Xbox shortly after the launch of the One, and yeah, I mean, this is, it's a big, bulky, beautiful gaming PC. It's all about video games. It's fast. It's powerful. It's like just 
absolutely geared towards doing one thing and doing it perfectly. And everything about the backwards and forwards compatibility and the free upgrades and the system just making shit look and run better and the games just being super powerful and being and there being a large library of games to choose from and Game Pass and EA Play and all this shit is just the perfect embodiment. When you sit down with an Xbox Series X, it's the perfect embodiment of everything Phil Spencer and his era of Team Xbox have been working on. And I mean, I think I think they they deserve an immense congratulations like a, a, a big recognition from from their audience because i mean and not to say they haven't because i think xbox fans pretty pretty unanimously love phil um but like yeah it's just it's crazy to see what xbox was in november of 2013 when the xbox one launched and to look at what it is in november of 2020 now that the series x is launching it's just the focus is so different the xbox one was all about reinventing the look and the appeal and re representing you with the brand and the console looks different and the UI is different and it's all about new and here's the connect and you got to do the TV thing and here are the new features and all that and like the series X throws all that shit out the window and says listen it's not about you know making the thing look next gen the box look next gen it's not about making a new UI just for the sake of giving you something new to look at. It's it's about streamlining everything so that everything you've ever done before is still there with you. It's still the Xbox you're familiar with, but it's just a really powerful, capable machine uh, that gives you the control to play as many fucking games as you can possibly imagine and with the best settings possible. So that's so clearly the focus of the Xbox Series X. It just foregoes all the gimmicks, all the tricks. There's no new, like, our controller has these seven new buttons and, you know, we tried to redesign this to give this gimmicky feature and we redid the dashboard because we just felt like we had to to make it feel new. All of that is just totally abandoned and, and not a focus of this console because it's just about gaming and you know, for better or for worse, however you take that, um, that's just je- definitely, I think, what you'll feel when you play this thing. Um, for, you know, for me, I, I think there is a little bit of a disappointment to that because I love that early 2010s Microsoft era, that late Steve Ballmer era of like we're trying to be so cool and hip and, you know, Microsoft was just kind of injecting themselves all over their different brands with Windows Phone and Xbox trying to make everything cool and make it, you know, fashionable and, and doing all these weird things that just kind of were not really on brand for all these different uh, markets that they were in. And I actually kind of love that era of Microsoft and, and all their brands. So it's hard for me to say goodbye to Connect. You know, I, I've still been using Connect. I, I know most of you probably have either unplugged your Connect or have been using a, a 1S or 1X uh, for the past few years. But like, I've still had my Connect plugged up to my OG Xbox One, you know since 2013 so i mean sometimes i'm recording this show and i say xbox on the name of the show and my xbox will just randomly turn on and then have to stop recording and turn that fucker off and you know tell it bad connect stop doing that and it's just weird now because i i look over and there's my xbox series x there's no connect it's not listening to me it's just totally different xbox totally different world we're, we're living in here as xbox fans and i know for most of the community that's a really good thing but I don't know, for me, it's kind of a bittersweet moment. It's hard, it's hard to say goodbye, but nonetheless, um, my past two days playing with this machine, I'm very enthusiastic and excited about the future of this brand. I'm really excited to finally be getting games. So my thing right now is I'm kind of living for Friday because I'm not an Assassin's Creed guy. I'm not a Watch Dogs guy. Uh, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War is going to be my brand new shiny game that you know I can 
play on this new hardware. I'm excited for 120 frames per second, Nazi zombies and multiplayer and all that. So that's my thing is I'm, I'm waiting for Friday so I can have that, that new gaming experience. But nonetheless, I'm just really excited. Like the hardware is there now. The platform is there now. Now it's just about the games. We got all these new studios, all these things in the works. So once they start getting that cadence of like new game after new game after new game for Xbox Series X and S, will be gold. I think I think Microsoft is there, Xbox is there, and I'm just I'm really impressed with the hardware and excited to watch this generation begin to unfold. So, yeah, those are my early impressions. It's a great it's a great box. The controller, they they say it's a little bit smaller. I don't I feel like I can see it, but I don't feel it. I definitely love the added grip everywhere on the controller and I really love the share button. I love that they just aped that from the Nintendo Switch. Um, that's like my favorite thing about the switch is just that button where like you press it and it instantly takes a screenshot, you hold it and it records a video clip. I fucking love that. It fixes that really inelegant solution they had on Xbox one. We had to press like the Xbox button and then X for record Y for screenshot or vice versa. And you always fuck it up. That sucked. So now that there's a dedicated like screenshot button on the controller, that's fantastic. I'm glad they totally just aped that Sony introduced on the PS4. Nintendo approved upon it and did a way better version on the Switch, and now Xbox just copied it. So, I think that's a button every controller should have. So, I'm glad. I'm glad Microsoft wasn't too proud and, and just ignored it. They included it in there, but yeah, I mean that's it. It's the, it's the same controller for the most part. It's the same UI with the exception of like you can have live themes, which by the way, you know, I'm waiting for the moment where. They start releasing live themes that you can purchase. Like, here's the Halo Infinite live theme you get if you pre-order the game or you can buy from the marketplace. Or, you know, like, here's the Elder Scrolls live theme for $4. I don't, seems like a very Xbox 360-era thing, and I'm excited to see more of those kind of hit the store because right now they just have kind of a generic roundup of just single-color background live themes, but I'm sure we will get many more of those to come. So... That's my first impressions of the Xbox Series X. Let me know uh, what you think about it. I'm sure many of you are getting your Series X or S right now and have lots of thoughts, so I'm happy to hear about that. And speaking of your thoughts and whatnot, let's jump into some comments for the week, guys. Um, we'll go a little light on that because obviously we have so much going on here with the release of the new console. Um, but I want to read a couple of uh, comments from, from the audience. So my mother writes in and says, in regards to my question about candy, she says, for candy, I'm uh, I'm cheating and I'm going with Godiva milk chocolate or white chocolate. I like the ones stuffed with hazelnut filling the most. And uh, the question I asked last week were, what are your favorite Halloween candies, your favorite trick-or-treat candies? And clearly my mother is cheating here because who the fuck goes trick-or-treating and gets like some high-quality Godiva chocolate thrown in their, their pillowcase? That's just not how trick-or-treating works. So you got you to gotta try again if you're going to do that. But that's that. Now, Joe Murphy writes in and says, Taco Bell is the best in my books. I really enjoy your podcast. Well, thank you, Joe, and welcome to the show. I think that's a first-time comment, so I appreciate that. And then uh, Mavs Man comments and says, Walmart is the real MVP. Wife texted me this morning. I had a package at the door from Walmart. It was a Series X five days early. What a way to turn around the week. That's fucking awesome. It seems like a lot of people had that happen. My brother had that happen as well. He got his like three or four days early, so... Lucky you to all those who just randomly got a package early. Seems like Walmart is the ideal retailer for just fucking up and sending things way before their way, way before their street date. So maybe something to keep in mind for the next time you buy a big, you know, piece of hardware or you pre-order something. Maybe 
Maybe go with Walmart. So it's not the first time I've heard that. Count Scott says, yeah, I always, this is in regards to Grant Mundy's comment last week about what like meal or special snack or treat you'll do to celebrate the launch of your console uh, or the new Xbox console. And Count Scott writes in regards to that and says, yeah, I always have the launch pre-planned for a new Halo game. I take off work. I call in like three times more pizza than any one person should order. And I get like three more pizzas and then just binge pizza, Pepsi, and Halo for 24 hours straight. I think I should be thankful that Halo really paces itself on releases. On releases, <laughs> and then <laughs> that's actually a perfect one. I think that's I think that's kind of the would be my go-to as well as is you know like special soda like Pepsi or Mountain Dew, and then just fucking hordes of pizza. Now I gotta be honest with you when the when the Xbox Series X launched, I thought about it that day. I said yesterday, what am I going to I remembered this question. I thought, what am I going to do to celebrate this? Do I have to like order a pizza? Do I have to do something special? And I was really kind of feeling like I didn't want to just treat my body and my wallet like shit. I just actually wasn't in the mood. So I ended up really not doing anything special whatsoever. I just ate at home that day. And uh, well, actually, that's not entirely true because that morning, the morning that the console came out, I went to Disney to try and just keep myself distracted while I waited for the box to arrive. And... I left the park early in the morning. I took a bus from the theme park to one of the resort hotels and I got Mickey waffles and like eggs and bacon at one of the resorts. So I kind of had breakfast at Disney. So that's special. I mean, to me, that's special. I mean, that's fuck. I mean, before I lived here, if, if you told me I had the opportunity to eat Disney breakfast, like that'd be like, I'd, I'd kill a man just to be able to transport to Disney and do that. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's a special thing. That wasn't in celebration of the Xbox, but rather because I was already there. I was I was at the parks. I was hungry, and I thought, fuck it, I'm taking a bus over to one of the resorts to get some goddamn Mickey Mouse-shaped waffles. So that's what I did, and, and we'll just call that my celebratory meal for the Xbox. But actually, when I when I left the park and went home, I, I just I just I didn't do anything special. I didn't stop by the Domino's or the Papa John's or the Chick-fil-A or the Taco Bell or anything. I just I just sat there like a bitch and played my Xbox. Now, Jay has an interesting comment where he says, after listening to this week's po- um, podcast, uh, I do believe that if you ever got some official podcast T-shirts made up, the front should say Xbox on and the back of the shirt ought to read power your dreams, bitches. So I actually love the idea of that shirt. That's a very extra, as the kids would say, kind of idea for a shirt. Now, I know you're just joking, like that's just a fun idea and you want to share that and I appreciate that. But on the actual, it's funny that you bring that up because my girlfriend this past week also said, you know, hey, would you ever consider making shirts for the podcast? And my immediate knee-jerk reaction was just like, hell no, this is way too small a show. I'm not going to be that asshole that's just like, hey, guys, I noticed that like seven of you listen to this show, so please buy my merch and subscribe to my Patreon and blah, 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 and just start like hitting you up for money. Like, I, I don't want to be that fuckboy. So immediately my reaction was like, no, 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 no. And, and then she, was, she reminded me, she's like, you know, you don't have to charge people to make a shirt like you can make a limited run of these shirts if you want and just you know have them be a shirt like would you wear it that's all I'm asking you and then it kind of reminded me I'm like oh I I guess I could make like you know just like some cheap quality a limited run of like one type of shirt like what you've described here Jay and then I could use them as like giveaways for listeners like uh I don't know like just be like hey uh comment in and I'll select a random commenter and mail you this shirt like I I could absolutely do that. So that's something to consider. 
I'm I'm putting a pin in that. I'm I have no plans of hitting you guys up with for money. Okay, just let's let's make that clear. I have no plans for a Patreon or for a merch store or anything like that. That kind of stuff is such an eye roll when small time content creators are like, how fast can I monetize this show? Now, that's not to say I don't want to put ads on the show. You you hear me out. Listen, man. We're at like 700 subscribers now on YouTube. I greatly appreciate all of you who subscribe to the show. Please keep subscribing because the second we hit 1,000 subscribers, I can turn the ads on and best believe I'll fucking make you all listen to ads on this show if it means I can get, you know, a couple pennies here, a couple pennies there. Any kind of kickback I can get for free, yeah, I'll take that shit. So I'm just trying to grow this show to the point where I can make you all listen to Dollar Shave Club ads um, so I can get a little kickback, but I have no plans to try and hit you up individually for the money in your wallet. So yeah, maybe, maybe I'll do this. Sure. It depends if I can actually, maybe we'll do that. Like if the show gets to a point where I can monetize it a little bit with some ad revenue from YouTube or something, we can use that money to reinvest in the show and, and buy some shirts to do for like giveaways and stuff. I think that'd be fun. I, I don't know if anyone would even be interested in an Xbox on shirt, but if that's something that does seem like something you would for some reason want to wear like a target on your back you can let me know and then maybe we'll do something about that but appreciate that comment jay now sam torres who's quickly becoming a favorite of mine says yeah disney infinity oh shit i love those games wish they would wish they would publish dlc to buy i truly wanted that moana playset. and for those of you who don't know which is probably all of you because no one gives a shit about disney infinity except for me and sam apparently uh there was a moana playset, a, a, a game a disney infinity game for moana that was planned and almost finished they made most of it and then it was canceled because the game was canceled like six months before the playset ever hit the shelves and yeah, that was that was such a bittersweet moment because Moana came out in November of 2016 and the game was canceled in May of 2016. So it was supposed to be like the big holiday update for the game and then it just never happened. So I agree, man. Disney Infinity was the absolute shit. I would love for it to come back in some way, shape or form. Now, Marv's man comes back and says... So not much of a fan of McDonald's, but hot damn, December 2nd marks the return of a national treasure, the McRib. Thoughts on this deliciousness of a rib-shaped processed meat slathered in barbecue sauce topped with pickles and onions? So I responded to Mavs Man and, and, and admitted that I, you know, embarrassingly enough, I've never had a McRib. And you told me that it was, uh, you said, you, sir, are a boy amongst men until this treat has been devoured. So... You know, on that recommendation alone and on that level of praise and on that challenge that that you putting me in my place, I, I think I have no choice but to try the McRib when it comes back. So, I mean, I don't know. I have nothing against the McRib. It's just I'm not a big pork eater for the most part. So nothing about the idea of like cheap fast food pork really like entices me. But, you know, McDonald's has never done me wrong in the past, so... I'll give him I'll give him a try. You know, on your recommendation and out of respect for the Golden Arches, I think I'll go ahead and give the McRib a try sometime when it comes out next month. So thank you for making me aware of that. Okay, and for our final two comments, I just wanted to throw these in here. Now, the other week I asked for you guys to write in with your top five favorite third-party games of the of the week, and almost no one actually wrote in with that because I mentioned it so late in the show. Um, but then, you know, after last week's episode went out, two of you commented in with your top five and I thought, you know what? Fuck it. I'll just, I'll go ahead and throw you in there because I enjoyed this segment. So these are Mr. Sarugi 
longtime favorite of the show, commented in with his top five favorite games of the Xbox One generation. This was kind of a retrospective we were doing, a segment we were doing as we get ready for the Series X. And Sarugi says his top five favorite console exclusives were from five to one, Forza Horizon 3, Sunset Overdrive, Titanfall, Quantum Break, and Ori in the Blind Forest. Sarugi, replace Ori in the Blind Forest with Halo 5, and I think you have like a really rock-solid list. I noticed you put Forza Horizon 3 instead of Forza Horizon 4. I also noticed that Forza Horizon 3 is the one that takes place in Australia, and I know you're an Australian listener, so a little bit of favoritism there? Uh, No, but all joking aside, I actually agree with you. I thought Forza Horizon 3 was a better game as well, just because I actually preferred the setting. I thought it was more suitable for the Horizon gameplay. And then you say your top five favorites for the cross-platform or third-party games. You said from 5 to 1, Shadow of Mordor... Battlefield Hardline, Wolfenstein the New Order, Assassin's Creed Black Black Flag, and Control. That's a really interesting list. I noticed, first of all, you got Remedy on both lists, so shout out to Remedy. But uh, Battlefield Hardline and Assassin's Creed Black Flag, I feel like those are some kind of deep cuts. Those are some earlier in the generation games. I feel like a lot of people kind of forget about those first few years of the console and really focus on the latter years just because it's easy to forget, you know, five, six years ago. Um, But yeah, those are some good shout outs there. And then you said if we're counting uh, game of the generation, you put God of War, which is a PlayStation 4 game. So, you know, even though I'm an Xbox gamer and this is an Xbox podcast, Sarugi, I'll give it to you. That's that's not my personal game of the generation, but I think that's a pretty solid choice. The 2018 God of War game for PS4 is just undoubtedly a really fucking phenomenal game. And I'll, I'll give you that. It's a, it is a must play. It's, you know... As someone who does respect PlayStation and occasionally play it or tolerate it for the exclusives, I'll say, got to give credit to God of War. Now, Kevin Harder is the other person who wrote in with their top five games, so I'll read yours as well. Kevin Harder, I think you're a first-time writer. You say, favorite non-exclusives of the generation. Uh, one, or we'll read them backwards. So five, Super Turbo Turkey Punch. I've never heard that. I'll have to look it up. I assume that's an indie release. You say four, Rise of the Tomb Raider. That's a pretty solid choice. Three, Battlefield 4. That's a pretty divisive choice. That's an interesting choice. Two, Inside. Inside's a great one. That's 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 close on my honorable mentions. It's a great game. And then your number one pick was Red Dead Redemption 2. A very solid and commendable choice there. You say, thanks for the lighthearted, fun to listen to podcast. Coke is Coke is Xbox, Pepsi is shit. Hashtag Wendy's rules. All right, Kevin, and that's that's the last time you're getting your comment right on the show, so uh, thank you for banning yourself. And that's going to do it for all of our comments of the week, guys. Thank you so much for writing in. Obviously, let me know what you about your experiences with the new consoles and your launch experience and your stories or whatever shenanigans you have pertaining to the new boxes. So excited to hear about that next week. But, man... Let's jump into some news. Normally, we talk about the what I've been playing or what I've been eating and what I've been playing, but we're kind of doing stuff a little bit different since it's such a special week. We got our little Xbox Series X here, uh, hogging up the spotlight, fucking up the run of the show. I will say I had a nice bowl of pho this past week, which was nice, but that's about that. Let's let's get into the news, guys. All right, our first story here is actually that story that's been circulating kind of throughout the week about xbox potentially being in the market again for buying a japanese game developer so we've seen this kind of go on and off on and off there's strong rumors or strong rumors there were loud rumors i won't say strong rumors i'll say loud rumors uh, a few months ago about xbox potentially buying sega and then that was right before the bethesda deal was announced and then after the bethesda deal everyone immediately shut up again 
about the Japanese thing. And then now that we're kind of getting some distance from that Bethesda deal, we're starting to see these rumors resurface. And again, people are saying Sega. Now, Sega's been in the news this past week because, well, one, and not for good reasons, but they've been posting some financial losses. They've been, uh, they, they announced that they're actually selling off their arcades in Japan. And for those who don't know, this is really sad news, actually, because Sega owns some of the coolest and largest and most impressive video game arcades in the world. And in Japan, they just have tons of awesome ones. I think there's like at least five like big ones in Tokyo that they're known for. And yeah, it's really unfortunate. I've I've watched so many video walkthroughs of these arcades because I just dream of getting to go to them. Um, But it seems like they're selling them off and the company that's going to buy them is going to maintain the Sega brand and maintain, like keep them as arcades but they'll just be under different ownership. Hopefully that's what happens, but like, I I don't know. I guess anything could happen. They could rebrand them. They could close them all down and make weird sex doll dungeons out of them. I don't fucking know what the plans are, but these are like, you know, the closest thing we've ever had to one of these Sega arcades in the U.S. is was back when Disney had this thing called Disney Quest. They had one in Chicago. They had one in here at Disney World. And it's like this multi-level five-story video game arcade where like every floor has just endless cabinets of arcade machines and then like different attractions as well like like indoor theme park attractions on top of that that's the closest thing we've ever had to a sega arcade here in the states but disney has since shuttered all those disney quest locations because disney hates happiness and they want to make everything look like a fucking pottery barn nowadays um but that's a that's a side point um sega sega's arcades like that's just to give you some context sega's arcades are just these massive sprawling multi-story arcades like they'll have like a floor completely dedicated to like Claw games and redemption games and then they'll have like a floor completely dedicated to like rhythm games and racing games and a floor dedicated to shooting games and it's just like it's just so many arcade cabinets and they just have all these floors dedicated to just different genres and stuff because they're just fucking massive and they have the space to do these things and they're really these impressive arcade cab these are arcades and it's a kind of a shame that sega's getting out of that but yeah they're selling that off they reported some financial loss and it doesn't look like they're doing, like, super hot. I mean, I know this has been a rough year for a lot of companies, but fuck. I mean, y- you thought Sega was doing really well, especially, you know, being the owners of, you know, the Shin Megami and Persona series. And, you know, they they have a lot of decent selling games, and the Yakuza games sell fairly decent, and Sonic always does well, sales-wise at least, even though people don't like that franchise anymore. But I, I don't know. It's just one of those things where it kind of sucks to see Sega in that spot, especially when it seems like they've been so much on the up and up in recent years. But this has led to a lot of speculation that like, oh, man, well, you know, Xbox and Sega have such a good relationship these days. I wonder if Xbox is buying Sega. And then that rumor started making the rounds again. And then Phil Spencer um, had that quote from a, from a story like yesterday or today or something where he's like, oh, yeah, I've played that new uh, Elden Ring game being developed by the Souls Souls creators. And he's like, oh, yeah, I've played a lot of that Elden Ring game. Let me tell you, it's the most it's the most ambitious game that From Software has made to date. So everyone took that as like, oh, my God, Xbox is buying From Software. Guys, I, I don't know about this. I think... I think there's definitely some truth to this. Now, Bloomberg was the one reporting on that stuff, but I'll be honest, like, I I believe there's some value and merit to it, and I believe Xbox is interested in acquiring a Japanese studio because they are trying to grow their brand in the East right now, but I don't think it's Sega as much as I wish that were true because I'm I'm a huge Sega fan, and I, I always thought it was really cool that Xbox and Sega have such a 
intertwined history. If you like go back to like the creation of the Xbox and the fall of Sega's home console market, there's a lot of intertwining and there's a lot of shared history between Xbox and Sega as brands. But I just don't think Sega is one that makes sense for them to, to buy. Like, I love it. Don't get me wrong. If, if Microsoft bought Sega, it would get me all giddy and excited the way you guys and most people were super excited about Bethesda. Like, I would shit my pants um, from the from the perspective of like an excited fanboy, if we welcomed Sonic the Hedgehog into the fold with uh, Master Chief and Marcus Phoenix, like that would be my shit. You know, the if if you just saw Sonic and Forza Car shaking hands and becoming best friends, like that would be a real memorable moment for me. But I just don't think it financially makes sense. I think Sega is not at the top of their game. They're not, you know, other than acquiring like Persona, I don't think Microsoft really gains that impressive of a IP lineup. Uh, and while it's fair to say, well, you know, Sega has so many great IP, but they're all dormant. Like, yeah, you can say that, but you know, something like Shinobi is only as relevant as a re as a, a good reboot could make it. So like, I, I don't know that like Microsoft owning Sega and then revitalizing like fucking Alex kid or Shinobi, I don't know if that would really drum up any real sales hype or, you know, if they're better off just making something on their own. So I don't really know that Sega has that many valuable IP other than like Sonic and Persona. And I'm sure there's like one or two I'm forgetting here, but like for the most part, like I just don't see this one now from software has, has made it clear like many times before that they weren't interested in being bought. And so I find it hard to believe that they're, you know, interested in getting in bed with Xbox, especially when they've had such a good partnership with Sony over the years. But I mean, anything's possible. I just don't, I just feel it like deep in my balls that like from software is not the one that they're going to get if they're going to buy a Japanese developer. But you know, to that, you know, there were of course some denial comments made by Xbox in regards to this reporting from Bloomberg. Bloomberg. So Xbox business lead for Asia, Jeremy Hinton told Bloomberg in response to that story that Microsoft is quote, always open to discussing with creators that are a good fit. Acquisitions are a possibility, but there are no announcements to share at this time. So a pretty generic, uh, I'm going to shut down this rumor kind of statement to make. The only thing, if you really want to pick this apart and try to make something of it, the only thing I could, I could see here is how he says, Microsoft is always open to discussing with creators that are a good fit, and acquisitions are always a possibility, but we just have nothing to say at this point. You know, trying to say that is like saying, yeah, we're always in talks with people we might potentially buy, but we're not actively trying to buy anyone. It's like, okay, that, you know, you could take that as them just saying like, no, we're not buying anyone and downplay it. But then Phil Spencer's kind of rejection comment to this story as well kind of has a very similar tone and demeanor to it where Phil Spencer says, you know, in regards to whether, whether these discussions have taken place for acquisition, he says, I don't think so. I, I, I say, I don't think so. I mean, I'm not even meeting. I'm not, I'm not in every meeting uh, that every team has, but I'll say not for me. Most of the opportunities that we've had. So first of all, he's, he's shedding the responsibility. He's saying if someone's having these talks about acquisitions, it's not with me. I'm not in all these meetings. So maybe someone else is, but I'm not. And then he says, most of the opportunities 
that we've had to date have been long-lasting relationships. And so I don't think we're out there uh, with our business cards, throwing them out at every corner, trying to find people. And so, again, it's a similar thing where, like, he's basically saying, like, yeah, we're meeting all the time. I'm not always in these meetings, but, like, we're always meeting with people and we have long-lasting opportunities. But it's not like we're, like, marketing ourselves to them and trying to throw our business cards in their face saying, you know, like, call us when you're ready to sell. Um, But, yeah, we have meetings. So the fact that both of these aren't, like, hey, like, these allegations of us or these rumors of us, you know, potentially selling up to buy Sega or buy from software simply aren't true. We have great relationships with these partners, but we're, you know, at this time we're looking at just keeping it as such, blah, blah, blah. You know, whatever kind of typical PR bullshit you want to say. But the fact that both of them kind of bring up like, yeah, I mean, we have meetings all the time, but, you know, acquisitions are possible. And like, you know, blah, blah, blah. We have long-term relationships, but we're not trying to buy anyone. It's like... They both kind of say like, no, but yes. And I don't think that's a, I don't think that's them saying like, oh, you got us. We're buying from software. But I do see it as them saying like, yeah, we're kind of trying to shop around a little bit, maybe, but we're not buying these guys. Nothing's official. Nothing's happening. Stop assuming. Stop look, stop reading too much into it. And I, I feel like that's kind of the vibe they're giving off here uh, with these responses. But that being said, I mean, Xbox has been really serious in recent years. Phil has been really serious in recent years about getting themselves out there more in Japan and Korea and in the Southeast Asia market. So to think that they're just straight up not looking for anyone, I think is a little naive. I just don't think it's from software or Sega. And it's hard to say. It's like, okay, well, then who would it be? You know, there's the rumors about Sony and Konami. There's the rumor, you know, there's there's the, well, who would be a good fit for Microsoft? It's like maybe Namco, maybe Bandai Namco, probably the best fit for them. But even then, I just like, I don't know, man. And then when you think about the money they spent on Bethesda, you're like, I guess anything's possible. They could buy fucking Square Enix for all we know. But I I don't think that's even remotely likely to happen. So it's just hard to see. But I mean, in, in a perfect world, yeah, they buy Sega or yeah, they build their own studio from scratch. But I just don't believe it's it's Sega or from software. We'll, we'll have to see about that. But these comments, I don't know, they leave a hint of like, yeah, something's going on behind the scenes, but I just don't believe it's either of these studios, so I don't know. Our next story here from IGN says that Take-Two have announced um, it's that it's reached an agreement to acquire Codemasters in a cash and shares deal, valuing the UK developer slash publisher at $994 million or €759 million. Euro. The acquisition is expected to be completed by quarter one, 2021. In a statement, Take-Two CEO Strauss uh, Zelnick explained why the acquisition fit. He says, quote, Codemasters has a renowned history for creating some of our industry's most beloved and commercially successful racing franchises, and we believe that their offerings will be highly complementary to our sports portfolio and enhance further our organization's long-term growth, end quote. Codemasters, the developer behind Dirt, F1, Project Cars, uh, racing franchise includes not just the developer stu- the development studio, but the publishing arm. Codemasters itself acquired Project Cars developer Slightly Mad last year, so now they get all that shit. Uh, Take Two currently owns seven major properties, such as Rockstar Games, uh, who of course are responsible for GTA and Red Dead Redemption. They also own 2K. Uh, the makers of the popular NBA 2K, PGA Tour, and Mafia franchises, among others. Take-Two has also uh, made ventures into smaller or at least less massive labels like Private Division, which is a smaller tier publisher, uh, most recently known for Obsidian's The Outer Worlds and for uh, Kerbal Space Program. With this story, the first thing that comes to mind is Codemasters, sports, racing, boom, Midnight Club, you know? 
Now, Codemasters obviously just released a game. They just released Dirt 5. It's an Xbox Series X game. So that's cr- kind of crazy timing. Fresh off the heels of a of a new console launch, a new game launch, getting acquired. But obviously, these things have probably been the works for a while now. Um, yeah, my, my, first, my first instinct here is maybe they're interested in reviving Midnight Club, which is, you know, Rockstar Games' old arcade racer their old like need for speed slash forza horizon-esque game um so it'd be really cool to see 2k try to bring back the project or not project gotham race to bring back midnight club and to have codemasters helmet since you know they've proven themselves between you know dirt and f1 and and with um project cars and all that so that that's the first thing that comes to my mind but clearly they want to keep these guys in the realm of of racing games obviously they they talk about their sports this is also a portfolio fit so maybe it's not maybe it's just you know they want to keep releasing dirt and project cars and stuff like that but just have them be in-house but when you think about take two it's like man they have these portfolios where they have these massive open world games they have story driven games they have sports games they have you know like sports games like basketball and golf they have you know private division which does some smaller games single player like story driven games and things like that i don't know but you think about codemasters it's like yeah well obviously it fits uh, you know a, a, a gap in their portfolio as phil spencer maybe would put it um and in this case racing games and when i think about take two and racing i immediately think well fuck you know obviously midnight club was a uh was a old Rockstar game that people loved. I loved it. I loved Midnight Club. I used to play which one? Midnight Club Dub Edition, whichever it was on PSP. I played the shit out of that game. Um, the other thing I think here is like, you, you know, so I don't know what to make of this too much. Obviously, some guys at Codemaster just got very, very rich. Um, but this isn't, you know, Take-Two's been buying up talent lately. They're trying to grow. So uh, I don't know what exactly is happening, but it looks like Take-Two is trying to expand, trying to diversify a little bit. We're seeing something happen here with with the growth of uh, Private Division as of late in the past year or two. And that, of course, uh, I... I Totally forgot who it was, but they acquired a different studio like just a week or two ago. We talked about it in the news, and now with with Codemasters, clearly Take Two is trying to grow and become a bigger force to reckon with. And I, I find this so weird. Take Two is like the biggest publisher that doesn't get big publisher recognition. Like everyone's so quick to talk about the Activisions and the EAs and the in the Ubisofts, but no one ever really brings up Take Two, which is so funny because you think about it, they have like these massive cash cows. They've got Grand Theft Auto and Red Dead Redemption, like. You know, any developer would like shoot themselves in the face for those pr- those franchises. So like, they're instantly massive money makers. They have NBA 2K, which is the best selling basketball game. Like that's a massive hit. They have PGA Tour. That's a that's a really big game. Um, they also have Bioshock. They have Bioshock, which is like one of the you know most commercial and critical darlings as far as like first person story driven shooter ish games go. Like everyone fucking loves Bioshock. So it, it's just weird that Take Two is such a beloved and massive public and it just still always kind of comes off like and seems like they're just kind of operating in the shadows here and maybe that's just because they don't throw their name around you know they say take two but no one thinks of grand theft auto and thinks take two they think rockstar and no one looks at you know nba 2k and thinks take two they think 2k so they use a lot of you know, sub names to kind of uh, associate with different divisions of their different brands and different divisions of their gaming company. Um, But man, it's just, they are just so quietly just like 
getting bigger and more powerful and just kind of being one of the biggest forces to reckon with. Like you got to think between owning GTA and Red Dead Redemption alone, like they're, they're up there top three, you know, biggest publishers for sure. And just in terms of sheer, like financial uh, profitability. I mean, like you think about like the most profitable properties in gaming, I think to mind what comes up is like Grand Theft Auto, Red Dead Redemption, Minecraft, Fortnite, obviously, and and like Call of Duty, of course. So, I mean, it's just it's just crazy thing what a big role Take Two plays. Yet they're just always kind of quietly there in the shadows, working on something. But hopefully, it's Midnight Club. Um, let me know what you guys think they might be working on. But clearly, they're trying to grow ever ever more here and and fit their uh, dearth of racing games in their portfolio. So. There's that story. Now, our next story uh, here is all about Mass Effect. So speaking of big publishers, EA and whatnot, on November 7th, EA celebrated their annual pseudo-holiday N7 Day, uh, as the number relates to their popular sci-fi RPG, Mass Effect. During the day, EA finally announced the now years-long rumored Mass Effect trilogy, officially titled Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Coming spring 2021, this remastered version of Mass Effect, Mass Effect 2, and Mass Effect 3 will be together in one collection for Xbox One, PS4, and PC. It will also have forward compatibility uh, and target enhancements on the Xbox Series X and PS5, although they haven't really said what those enhancements will be yet. Uh, Mass Effect Legendary Edition will include a single pl- will include single player based content and DLC for the first three games, uh, with all the promo weapons, armor, and packs, uh, and will be remastered and optimized for 4K Ultra HD. VP Studio GM of BioWare Casey Hudson said that the team at BioWare's goal was not to remake or reimagine the original games, but to modernize the experiences so that fans and new players can experience the original works in the best possible form. Hudson also commented and confirmed that Quote, a veteran team has been hard at work envisioning the next chapter of the Mass Effect universe, end quote. Uh, Bioware is only in the early stages of the project and giving and isn't giving any further details, but it looks forward to sharing its vision at a later date. So this is interesting because, I mean, oh, yeah, there, there's the first part. Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's finally coming out. Not much to say about it, right? Like, you can, it'll be coming out soon, um, blah, 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 spring release old gen and current gen hardware, like whatever. Finally, this is coming out. I feel like people have been talking about this since mass effect Andromeda came out. So long time coming, finally a real thing. Not much to say there. Now the other story here, which is the bigger thing is that they're working on a new mass effect game. Now this is kind of being announced exactly the same way Andromeda was announced where they're like, here's a piece of concept art. We're early in development on the next mass effect game. We have literally nothing to share with you because we literally don't have anything done yet. And it's just like, what? I kind of get why you would want to say this because Mass Effect is a property that is very lucrative and very beloved and has been somewhat mismanaged recently. And so you want to control the messaging carefully on this and tell people like, hey, we're giving you the old ones you love remastered or, or re-released rather. And also, hey guys, we totally recognize that the last Mass Effect game didn't live up to your standards and we want to make it right so you know we're got we got this veteran team we got the old guys the guys you can trust this isn't the secondary team this isn't the which one is it vancouver or whoever their canadian team that made mass effect or no was it their texas team that made andromeda and the real team is the canadian one i believe um but they're basically saying you know it's not that secondary team making this next game like this is us it's the ogs it's it's the veterans of the mass effect 
franchise getting back to work on the series. So trust that it's in good hands. We're early in development. We don't have much to say otherwise right now, but here's a piece of concept art. And that was kind of like their their way of announcing it. But what I find so weird about this is it's like I, I get that you want to set the expectations and assure people that you have the right people working on it and that Mass Effect isn't dead and that you care about the franchise. I get all that. But like keep in mind, like you guys are currently working on basically rebooting and rebuilding Anthem even though it's already out right now. And I know they have like kind of a skeleton crew. It's kind of like a small team working on that, working on that 2.0 Anthem. And then also you have this Dragon Age sequel. It's like Dragon Age 4 or whatever that has been teased for years and years and years and was presumably supposed to come out like this year or last year. And we just still haven't seen it and we still know nothing about it. Like there's been concept art and that's it. And my thing is like, you're trying to fix this game that's already broken um, that no one plays anymore. You're trying to make a sequel to Dragon Age, which people have been waiting for forever now. Because remember, Dragon Age Inquisition came out in 2014. So Xbox One was like a brand new console when that game came out. And now here we are in the next generation of Xbox. And we still haven't seen the trailer for the next Dragon Age. So you've got people working on that. You've got people trying to redo Anthem and fix it in all of its mess. And then you've got this, this, this quote, veterans team working in the early stages on the next Mass Effect game. It's like, you guys are announcing all these projects, but, like, we're not seeing anything. It's like, focus on... It just feels like Mass Effect or or Bioware has been so mismanaged recently, and I understand that they're split into a handful of locations and they're different teams and everything, but, like, you know, Mass Effect Andromeda totally totally failed and bombed and, and, and didn't meet anyone's expectations, and it was a huge botch to the, to the brand of the franchise and everything, and then they come back with Anthem, which is this game that has, like, the weirdest history ever. And everyone knows, like, the story of how, like, they didn't even want to make the game. They didn't even know what they were making until the end there. And, you know, it's just such a funny game. It, it, it's impressive how well Anthem turned out, all things considered, actually. But, like, that was totally a big bomb, you know, in terms of longevity. They wanted to make it a service, and it just totally failed in that regard. Sold very, very well. They made a lot of money off of it, but it just didn't you know, have legs like Destiny did or The Division did or anything like that. And then you got Dragon Age. It's like, what are you guys doing? You're working on all these projects, but like Dragon Age is just like in this development hell. Mass Effect sucked. Anthem sucked. Now you're trying to go back to Anthem when you really need to move on and work on fixing Mass Effect. And it's just like, what are you guys doing? Like Bioware proper hasn't put out a Mass Effect game since... When was Mass Effect 3? Was it 2012 or was it 2011? I believe it was 2011. So it's just like, you guys put together Anthem, which was like this what-the-fuck game, and that's the only thing you've worked on since, and you have the skeleton crew working on fixing that game, and now you're taking over Mass Effect again. I'm sorry. So I guess the proper Bioware team put out Inquisition in 2014. So they, they did Mass Effect 3, then Inquisition, then Anthem. And now they're going back to Mass Effect. And it just seems like they're spreading themselves too thin. And like we're getting all these details on or we're, we're getting all these promises and announcements. But like we're not seeing anything happen. It's like decide what you need to do. What they really need to do is just say goodbye to Anthem. Cut their ties with it and say sorry Anthem. And then finish Dragon Age and focus on getting that out the door. And then you know Mass Effect after that. But instead we're just in this weird situation where like. 
Bioware, this beloved studio, work on this beloved franchise or these beloved franchises because people love Dragon Age the same, you know, people love Dragon Age the way they love Mass Effect. And it's just like both of these franchises are just kind of sitting there waiting for the next entry. So I don't know really what to make of all this or to say other than it seems like something's going up at Bioware, you know, total mismanage of the studio. They have key talent leaving and coming back all the time. It's just kind of been a mess over there. You know, let's just be let's just be happy or let's just be grateful rather that EA seems to really love them and see them as their star child because you know, EA loves shutting down studios and it seems like these days <laughs> they they give a lot of room for error for BioWare and um it seems like their new favorite child these days is becoming Respawn Entertainment, the Titanfall Apex Legends guys. So I I don't know what's happening here at BioWare, but it it would be nice for them to just focus on finishing one project like at least just get dragon age out the door you know before we start promising to fix anthem which is this game no one wants them to fix and bringing back mass effect which is you know i think a necessary thing and it looks like they're saying all the right things and making all the right moves but like come on guys whatever and the whole point of this trilogy obviously is to kind of reset the expectations to remind people how much they love mass effect kind of get that that nostalgia bone tickled or whatever you want to say and reset the expectation be like hey guys remember this is a franchise you love we're going to bring it back we're going to do it right this time so here's hoping they can pull off all these projects i just think it's kind of a crazy situation we found ourselves in all right then the uh, final story of the week comes from pc gamer who says uh and the story reads driven by weak sales of marvel's avengers square enix have 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 posted an operating loss in its HD games segment of more than uh, 5 billion yen or $48 million for the second quarter of the current financial year. Uh, This information comes from the latest release of financial results uh, for the six-month period of April through the end of September 2020. Marvel's Avengers, a live service game developed by Crystal Dynamics, was heavily advertised and expensively produced, uh, but was panned both critically and by the broader gaming audience. It's the second high-profit failure of a live service game in as many years following Bioware's Anthem in 2019. (laughs) Haha, just talked about you. Uh, Square Enix's HD game division is responsible for its big game releases but not its mmos or mobile games despite the losses the hd games division uh, did do more business in both quarters of 2020 than its comparable periods of 2019 the mmo division responsible for games like final fantasy 14 posted profits in both quarters this year square enix hasn't reported sales numbers through uh, though tokyo-based games industry analyst david gibson said in a tweet that the values that the sales volumes were lower than Square Enix had planned, something like 60% of the expected total. Gibson further noted that uh, based on Square Enix's reports, reported numbers, the games likely cost, the game likely costs upwards of $170 million to make. The sales performance of Marvel's Avengers uh, looks even weaker when compared to the release of Final Fantasy VII Remake, which came out in April. The delay of the PS4 exclusive game and the uh, boost in game sales due to the coronavirus bolstered that quarter's numbers. Marvel's Avengers, available on all platforms, did not n- did not nearly replicate its success. So that's the first part that blows my mind, is that comparison between Avengers and in Final Fantasy. So I'm trying to set the expectations and the perspective for this comparison, because it's, it's vast, right? So you have a thing like Final Fantasy. Final Fantasy is a massively important name in the world of gaming right it's been there since the nes days everyone knows it whether you play it or not it's a massive seller 
it's Final Fantasy. You know, seven is probably the most popular Final Fantasy, the most famous Final Fantasy of all. And, you know, that remake sold extremely well. And yes, as the story notes, you know, that was during like the early days of the, the COVID lockdowns and everything. So people were spending shit tons of money on gaming because people were getting government aid and people were trapped inside and super fucking bored and they were spending lots of money on games. So yeah, everything that came out around that time, Doom, Animal Crossing, Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, Resident Evil 3 Remake, all these games were just doing so, so well as you might remember from the spring um, during those early COVID days. But even without that, you know, Final Fantasy VII Remake would have done well either way. But but here's the thing is, until next year, it's it's a PS4 exclusive. It doesn't come to PC and Xbox until next year. So the fact that, I mean, yeah, COVID helped, but the fact that on PS4 alone, Final Fantasy VII was able to outperform Marvel's Avengers. When you consider that Marvel's Avengers was on PlayStation, Xbox, and PC, Marvel's Avengers was still released during COVID, even though it was closer to a time where people were fed up and getting back out there. Plus, you know, if you live here in the States, it was released during a time where the government was saying, oh, you guys are all poor and out of money. Well, fuck you. We're going to we're going to we're going to pat our friends on Wall Street instead of take care of you. So, yes, people were poor, but I, I don't think that makes as much of a difference as uh, as the story maybe suggests here. The fact that it was released on three platforms instead of one. And the fact that it has the Marvel's Avengers brand, the fact that that couldn't sell it better is mind-blowing. Because, like I said, obviously Final Fantasy is a big brand. Everyone in gaming knows Final Fantasy. It's, you know, anyone who's even remotely a gamer knows Final Fantasy. But Marvel's Avengers, man, like, it's it's a way bigger property. It's way bigger everywhere in the world. I mean, those those Avengers movies, these Marvel movies, have been, like, literally the biggest thing in entertainment for the past decade. Like, anyone who's any... Everyone who's anyone, like, has seen a handful of Marvel movies, has seen a couple Avengers movies, knows who the Avengers are, recognizes that. So the fact that there's, like, this massive AAA, high-budget, high budget, highly produced... Marvel's Avengers game and it didn't outperform Final Fantasy 7 remake on one platform even though it was available on three like that's fucking mind-blowing and you got to look at that and say like what are the factors that contribute to that so it's like yeah you can contribute to COVID a, a little bit if you want as we already discussed but like man the bigger things is I think I think people saw that game and immediately said what the fuck is going on with this game this game does not look good and I think I, I know this is probably a big factor because I'm one of these people. Like, I'm generally a pretty, like, into Marvel kind of guy. Like, I don't, I'm not one of those people that's going to lie to you and pretend I was reading the comments, comics in the 80s and 90s and that I knew all these stories and then watched the movies and compare them to the comics. I'm not one of those guys, but, like, I watch, like, every Marvel movie that comes out. I go to the theaters and watch them. I enjoy them. They're nice. They're I enjoy them. They're nice blockbusters, you know, to watch. But, yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I'm right there with the world. Like, I, I, I show up to the theater. I watch these movies. I enjoy these characters. Spider-Man's, like, one of my favorite characters of all time. I think, you know, Robert Downey Jr. made the world fall in love with Iron Man. You know, a character who's a pretty moderately popular Marvel character, but didn't have, definitely didn't have the mainstream appeal and success um, that he has now until, you know, before 2008 when Robert Downey Jr. began playing him on, on the silver screen. So, like... Obviously, anyone who's anyone knows the Avengers, is familiar with the Avengers. The majority of people like the Avengers. Like, you want to find a way to unite people in this world? Just ask them, oh, did you see Marvel's 
Avengers Endgame. It's like a fucking movie everyone in the world watched, everyone liked, you know? It's like people's opinions on Marvel movies range from like, oh, it was good to, oh, it was great. Like, I just, it's just one of those things. It's like, I, I just don't understand how this isn't one of those things where like you have the license to this, especially at a time like now, and you don't make fucking crazy crack dollars off of it. And that's that's where I'm disconnected and lost here is the only thing you can blame at that point when you have a property of that caliber is the developers and the game itself. And clearly people saw through the shit. People saw the gameplay demo and 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 looked at the game and saw the trailers and said something's up here, man. This game doesn't look good. And I think a lot of that can be attributed to the kind of forced desire to make this a games as a service game when clearly it could have should have just been a you know, co-op story driven one and done game. And the fact that they tried to like force it into this, like, Oh, it's going to be an Anthem or a destiny or a division game. And then it just didn't become that. Like clearly, clearly people saw through that. They saw these demos, they saw these trailers and they thought like, what is this game trying to be? Why is it doing this? And it just didn't work for them. And I, I find that crazy because guys think about it. Like, Insomniac made Marvel Spider-Man, which, you know, I mean, obviously Spider-Man is like one of the biggest superheroes of all time with or without the MCU. But like clearly Spider-Man's recent success in the MCU definitely boosts and helps the sale of, you know, Spider-Man on PS4. And I think the only difference, again, is people saw the trailers and the demos and they saw Insomniac Spider-Man was clearly a really amazing looking game and therefore it sold very, very well. It's one of the best selling games on the PlayStation four. It's one of the best PlayStation. It's one of the best selling PlayStation exclusives of all time. And then people saw Marvel's Avengers and thought, well, yeah, I like the brand. Yeah. I like Iron Man and Hulk and Thor and all these guys, but like this game does not look good. Like this just doesn't look like something I'm looking for. And man, I just, it's crazy that they botched that and fucked that up because there's no reason why this game shouldn't have done better. And yeah, they marketed the hell out of it. I don't know what to say, man. I just, I'm at a total loss for words that this game didn't do better. And the only, I think when you have a situation like this, the only thing you can blame is the the publishers or the developers or whoever it was who were like, this is the kind of game it's going to be. We're, we're going to make one of these out of Avengers. Um, I think the market's tired of this shit. They don't want it. Like, they don't want any more of this. Like, even, like, I tried to get into Anthem a few months ago. You guys remember, I bought it on sale for, like, seven bucks. I played it and I said, hey, guys, you're right. Anthem was better than people gave it credit for. It's not a bad game. And then I gave up after two hours of playing it. Why? Because I'm right there with the rest of the world. It's like, I don't have, who has more time in their life for more of these games. Like who wants another games as a service? Like I'm playing destiny two right now. Perfect example. The ultimate games as a service, like the, the game that started this trend of like shared world shooters, you get the expansion, you get the season pass, you get the, whatever you grind, you get the gear, you do the loot drops, you play the content over and over again. You play on different difficulties. You play with friends, you play alone. You do, you know, these like light MMO things that destiny started. And you know, I play destiny. I think, Man, I barely have time to keep up with Destiny. How the fuck would I play two or three of these, you know? And when you have everyone trying to throw their hand at it, like, everyone's like, Ubisoft is like, oh, we'll try it. Here's the Division. And EA is like, oh, we'll try it. Here's Anthem. And Square Enix is like, we'll try it. Here's a Marvel one. We'll we'll use this massive property to help bolster its sales and everything. But eventually the market looks at this shit and goes, guys, fuck off. We can't, we can't do all these. And, I mean, we're seeing a similar thing happen with... Battle Royale games, Ubisoft just released that 
that that battle royale game a few months ago that's like just kind of bombed and tanked and no one ever talks about it because it's like guys we already have a Fortnite, we already have an apex legends it's like we already have a PUBG. like hey there's only room for so many of these you know and i think that's i think that's what we're saying it's it's that people don't want more of this shit and this game just doesn't look like it was supposed to be that anyway so that kind of like shoehorning of like oh you'll You'll buy it anyway. It's Avengers. You love Avengers right now. But then making it into a game that people don't want clearly didn't work for them. You know, look at Spider-Man. It was a property everyone loves and they made it into the appropriate game for that property and they made it look like a game everyone should want to play and it sold very well. But Marvel's Avengers, it's like, okay, well, let's see what they did with the formula. It's like, okay, they have the property everyone loves, check, just like Spider-Man. They have this gameplay that they have this gameplay or this game genre that everyone's really tired of that's already really bloated and fatigued. It's like, uh, not check. And then it's like they just put it out there and said, Oh, you'll buy it anyway. And guess what? It didn't work. Now the game sold, from what I understand, the game sold pretty respectable, especially in its first few weeks, but, and I, and I have no doubt that it's a fun, like, I'm sure it's a fun game, I'm sure it's fine, but it just, people seem to just be like, yeah, it's just not, it's not what we're looking for, it's not something we want to spend the next couple of years of our lives playing, like, I remember I was, ex- I was excited for this game when they first teased it, and then when they showed it off finally and said, hey, it's a shared world games as a service game, I was like, okay, fuck that, I don't want it, I don't need it, like, I'm done with that shit. So I get it, man. And and if you're in the Xbox camp, of course, you got the whole you guys put Spider-Man exclusively on PlayStation thing. So fuck you. You deserve to fail. So there's also that aspect of it, too. But yeah, that's that. So that's going to do it for all of our big stories of the week, guys. Um, it seems like a lot of negative news, but I, I mean, I don't I don't write the news. I just report it here, man. I'm just a, I'm just a news anchor. What do you want from me? Fuck off. Now we jump into our quick little important enough stories. Stories important enough to make the podcast, but not important enough to warrant their own discussions, of which we have a, a handful. So first we got that Halo 4 will launch on PC as part of the Master Chief Collection with a fully remastered campaign on November 17th. On the same day, Xbox Series X and S owners will get their next-gen updates uh, for the game bringing 120 FPS to both campaign and multiplayer. Additionally, players on the Series X can expect up to 4K on split-screen multiplayer and co-op because power your dreams. Next, speaking of Halo, Windows Central reports that the role of Cortana in the upcoming Showtime TV show, Halo, uh, has been recast by none other than the blue AI herself, Jen Taylor. Taylor is filling the role for uh, Natasha McElhinney, Uh, who was originally cast for the role of Cortana, as well as the role of Dr. Catherine Halsey, um, the creator of both Cortana and the Spartan 2 program that led to the emergence of the Master Chief and his fellow Spartans. Now, that's all well and good, uh, but let's just try and focus on Halo Infinite for now, of course, as as this is a, a TV show no one fucking asked for. We just want Halo Infinite. Uh, next, Mo Yang have announced that on November 17th, Minecraft Dungeons will finally be getting cross-play support. This means whether you're on Nintendo, Sony, or Microsoft hardware, you'll be able to team up with your friends and take on the Illager together. Next, during the Xbox Series X and S launch stream, Xbox head Phil Spencer announced during the Destiny 2 Beyond Light gameplay presentation that the popular shared world shooter, unlike Anthem and unlike Marvel's Avengers, uh, will soon be getting <laughs> will soon be getting 120 frames per second support on next-gen consoles for PvP uh, multiplayer mode, The Crucible, uh, of which I surely suck at. Seriously, you guys need to stop spamming the fuck out of those stupid samey weapons and start getting creative. 
Uh, next, starting today, Xbox Game Pass Ultimate subscribers are able to activate a 30-day free trial of Disney+. Plus. As announced by Xbox Wire, this trial will be able to be activated through the perk gallery on the Xbox console, uh, Xbox app, and on Windows 10 PC, or through the Game Pass mobile app on iOS and Android. Once activated, users will be taken to the Disney Plus site and activate their subscription. Uh, this offer will only be available until January 31st, 2021, and will be able to... Re- and will be able to be redeemed anytime before March 2nd, 2021. Furthermore, it's only available to new Disney Plus subscribers, and the trial will renew at $6.99 a month until you cancel. So I saw some people trying to make a thing out of this story. This isn't a big deal. Like Xbox has done this before with Game with Game Pass, where it's like, uh, you know, subscribe now and you get a free month of like something like Uber Eats ultimate or whatever it is you know like they've done little times like this this is the biggest one they've done just because it's disney plus uh so it's pretty cool but yeah it's just more like an fyi than it is like a something's going on here i don't think xbox and disney are getting in bed although that'd be cool if they were that'd be cool if they were gonna build an xbox theme park at disney world and then hire a bunch of awesome people and build a bunch of awesome rides and give us a halo themed theme park land that'd be awesome and then they'd probably just fire everyone that works there and and uh, give all the money to the executives but that's a different story now next uh as reported by ign rockstar have announced that grand theft auto 5 and red dead redemption 2 as well as numerous other older games from the developer will become backwards compatible on ps5 and xbox series x and s consoles or rather forwards compatible the ps4 and xbox one versions of gta 5 and red dead redemption 2 will be playable on the new next gen consoles progress can be carried uh, forward and across generations either through the use of cloud saves or manual transfers via usb storage or lan wi-fi transfers for campaign saves yay Uh, Progress in the online components of GTA and Red Dead Redemption will be carried across your Rockstar Social Club profile, provided you sign in with the same PSN or Xbox Live account that you used previously. In addition to Grand Theft Auto V and Red Dead 2, the most recent version of LA Noir will also be getting backwards compatible functionality on next-gen hardware. And then lastly, as detailed by Rockstar, are the developers other games that will be available through backwards compatibility. So on Xbox, these 360 and original Xbox games will be playable. We've got Bully Scholarship Edition, GTA 4, GTA Episodes from Liberty City, GTA San Andreas, Midnight Club, Los Angeles, Red Dead Redemption, Rockstar Games Presents Table Tennis. But uh, those are not, you know, too impressive, obviously, as we've seen all these games have been backwards compatible. Um, because Xbox backwards compatibility rules. Next, and finally, we've got a little one about EA Games, our friends over at EA. They've announced how uh, they plan to utilize the power of next-gen consoles to upgrade and boost their recent released titles. A blog post on EA's website recently broke it down, but here's a summary for each game. Uh, I left the PS5 info as well for the sake of comparison. So as relayed from IGN, EA Sports Madden NFL 21 and FIFA 21. So Madden 21 and FIFA 21 will be backwards compatible on next-gen games if you already own the PS4, Xbox One, or Series X and S versions of the game. On December 4th, existing owners will be able to redeem a free next-gen upgrade for Madden 21 and FIFA 21 for either Xbox Series X or S. The upgrade will be available until NFL 22 and FIFA 22 are released next year. Online content such as Ultimate Teams, The Yard, Franchise Modes, and Volta Football will also transfer between generations. 
All right, now we got Star Wars Squadrons, which will receive a new frame rate upgrade for Xbox Series X and S, where they can choose to focus on either better visuals or better frame rate. Squadrons can run at 1440p 60fps on the Series S and 2160p at 60fps on the Series X. Uh, in performance mode, players can achieve 1440p at 120fps on the Series S and 2160 at 120fps on the Series X, while sacrificing some of the better lighting models and improved visuals. On PS5, however, EA says that Squadrons will run at improved lighting and at the same resolution and frame rate as the PS4 Pro, but Squadrons uh, will also feature cross-platform um, play across all available platforms, but no high frame rates and special things that the Xbox version got, because fuck PlayStation. Uh, Apex Legends here will be getting uh, experience boosts on both Xbox consoles and PlayStation. Um, will be bumped to 1440p, but more additional specific information will be available next year. Uh, the Sims 4 will be getting its Star Wars Journey to Batu DLC, which releases on the Xbox Series consoles and PS5. And, of course, it will come with smoother frame rates and faster load times. Um, the next expansion, Snow Escape, will also be, re be released on next-gen consoles, as well as current-gen uh, and PC. As for EA Sports, UCF4 and NHL21, both games will be backwards compatible on Xbox and PlayStation consoles. And will run on next-gen systems as they would on Xbox One X, One S, or Series X, S, and PS4 Pro. Need for Speed Hot Pursuit Remaster. This is the last one. The latest Need for Speed Remaster will be available as a backwards-compatible title on next-gen systems. Like the EA Sports titles, the next-gen version will run Hot Pursuit Remastered as they would run on a corresponding current-gen system. So nothing fancy for any of those last few games. So suck it there. All right, that's going to do it for all of our news this week. Now we will jump into the new game releases of the week from the Xbox Wire. There are a total of 28 new games. Yes, 28 it is a big game release week, obviously, because we've got, you know, it's the holiday season. So all the big releases of the year come out. Plus, we've got the brand new consoles. So let's jump in. All right, our first release here is a game called Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which is coming out November 10th. So it's already out now. You know what this game is. You know all about Assassin's Creed Valhalla. It's that game where you run around as some like street punk around the city of London and you take your cell phone and you hack things and you can control old ladies and make them run into the streets and get hit by cars and things like that. It's a real nuisance of a game, that Assassin's Creed Valhalla. It is optimized for the Series X, so be sure to take advantage of that. Our next game here is Bright Memory, uh, which comes out November 10th. I already told you about this game. I already played it. Guys, you got to play it. It's only eight bucks. Don't be such a don't be such a dick. It's optimized for the Series X, but goddamn does it have some te frame tearing. Uh, Destiny 2 Beyond Light comes out November 10th for its Game Pass, guys. You got no excuse. The new Destiny expansion is free if you're on Xbox. It's really weird seeing there be kind of a marketing partnership between Xbox and, and Bungie again because you know the falling out with Halo and everything, and them kind of hating each other, and then getting into bed with Activision, and then Activision kind of selling all the marketing rights to PlayStation and having Destiny be such a heavily PlayStation associated franchise over the years. Been a weird thing, but now now that Bungie's independent from Activision doing their own thing with Destiny, it's kind of 
interesting watching them get back in bed with uh, Xbox. So play that, you dumb bitches. Enlisted, which is a game preview game, is out now. It's optimized for the Series X and X. This is the game you play if you are too dumb to be aware of Call of Duty's release or if you just respect yourself too much to buy all these game passes and bullshit that Call of Duty is going to hit you up for. Evergate comes out November 10th. It is optimized for Series X and S, although I don't understand how it could be because it literally looks like a finger painting done from a six-year-old. The Falconeer is coming out on November 10th. It's available on the Series X and S. It's optimized for them. It's a game where you fly around as a bird, so I don't fucking know what that means. Maybe... Maybe you're playing as a Amazon carrier pigeon delivering Xbox Series X and S consoles to all the good boys and girls who were able to get a pre-order in, and that's that's what you do in the Falconeer. Fights in Tight Spaces looks like an iPhone game, like that Hitman Go game, but it's apparently optimized for Series X and S. Again, I don't know what that fucking means. Does that just mean this little iPhone game has 120 FPS? I just... Are you kidding me? Fuser comes out November 10th. Now, this is that new game from the creators of Rock Band. People are into it. There's a DJ. There's this girl with an undercut. She's got tattoos. She's got heavy makeup on. She's a DJ. She's got multiple wristbands. One of them may or may not read Free the Boobies. Um, This is clearly a girl who has a very individualistic style. She's one of those people who says... It's not enough for me to just enjoy the music. I got to wear it on my sleeves quite literally. So the tats and the crazy hair and the and the fun makeup are an extension of my personality. And God damn it, if you don't support it, then you are, you are a misogynist. Speaking of misogyny, guys, I was thinking about this as well. Isn't Microsoft kind of a misogynistic company for what they did with the Xbox Series X? So just massive tangent. I was thinking about this. Like, So the Xbox One is this proud independent, you know, self-sufficient console that does it all. That's why it's called the Xbox One. It's all in one. It's your game machine. It's your TV player. It's your entertainment box. It's your voice assistant. It's your camera controls. It's all in one. It's the Xbox One, right? And then people bitched about it and said, I don't want a camera with my Xbox. I don't like Connect. I don't like this new Xbox. I don't like TV, TV sports. I like video games. That's all I'm here for, right? And people got really mad about it. And then Microsoft bent the knee and kind of, I don't know, I think they kind of did something rather sexist. What they did was they silenced Xbox. They took its camera away. They took its all-in-one functionality away. They took snapping away. They took voice commands. It's no longer, hey, Xbox. Xbox no longer has a voice. It no longer speaks for itself. It's just now been turned into Xbox Series X, which is just this box that they just want to have sit in the corner and look pretty right it's just there to make games look pretty right is that is that all an xbox is to you microsoft it's just this thing that's supposed to shut up and make you happy and play your games and make it look pretty right it's just a pretty face you know we don't want to have a voice or eyes or any kind of any cameras or any kind of cognizant brain we just wanted to stop thinking for itself and speaking for itself and just sit there and look pretty and that's what we've done with the Xbox Series X is we've stripped away its agency and its personality and its identity and we've just made it this thing that's just meant to sit there and shut up and look pretty. And I just think that's a little a little misogynistic that uh that's kind of I don't know. I just, you you draw the connect the dots for yourself and you tell me what you think that means. But hey, I I didn't make the decisions. I don't work at Xbox. That's what they did. That's not what I did. I just buy the consoles. I don't make them. Uh, Gears Tactics is our next game of the month or the week, whatever. I, fuck me. We're living in an endless loop here. It's it's out now. It's optimized for the Series X and S. This is one I got to try. 
I don't like tactical games, but I love Gears of War, so we're going to have to figure this out. I'm going to have to play that. Uh, Liftoff Drone Racing comes out November 10th. This game is not optimized for Series X or S, but it is Xbox One X enhanced. So if you are a massive diehard drone racing fan, but you're also a big specs nerd on your video games, just know you're not getting the highest quality here. You're not getting Series X performance, just Xbox One X enhancements. So fuck you, drone drone racing. Uh, Observer System Redux is out now. It's optimized for Xbox Series X and S. This is one of those creepy games where you play as those guys that like that take the mannequins from the shop from the shops, and then they go home and make put the makeup on them and talk to them and try to pretend they're married to them. So it's a creepy little simulator game. Uh, then we got Planet Coaster Console Edition, which is this game that tricks you into thinking, "Oh man, I love Roller Coaster Tycoon." And then when you go in and you try to rebuild Twisted Cyclone from Six Flags Over Georgia, or when you try to RMC uh, your favorite Disney attractions, uh, it actually just says constantly to you, hey, hey, fucker, you got to spend more money. I know the game's included in Game Pass, but we're not actually going to let you do dick with this game until you give us money. So fuck you, Planet Coaster. Um, highly recommend it. It's a pretty looking game, though. It looks like a lot of fun. Like if... If you spent all the money, it looks like you have a good time. Uh, Slide Stars is out November 10th. This kind of looks like uh, one of those Connect Adventures games, but it's not. Some douchey-looking frat boy is flying around a magical world on a giant coin. A golden coin. What do you want me to make of this? Like, I don't fucking know. Are you ready? Let me read the description. I don't normally read the description, but let's do it. Slide stars. Are you ready for the world's most extreme water slide adventure? Play with 20 plus of the world's biggest social media stars and blast into an adventure of a lifetime. Choose from favorite jump, favorite star, jump onto the ride of your choice and race headfirst down some of the wildest water slides. Choose from wild, choose from favorite star. What the fuck? What does that even mean? Your social media stars. Do they get licensing for real people? Like, I'm not going to make up anything about this game because it's already ridiculous enough on its own. But yeah, maybe you can play as Jake Paul. Tetris Effect Connected comes to console and PC on November 10th. It is optimized for the Series X and it's on Game Pass. I need to download and play this game. This game looks awesome. and I hear amazing things about Tetris Effect. So definitely got to play that. That's uh, actually might download that right after I hit stop recording. So yeah, but play that for sure. Next up, you got... XIII, what is that? Is that 13? It's a game called 13. What the fuck? It's uh actually this game kind of looks cool. It's um it's a cell shaded first person shooter looking game. The physics looks stupid. This guy's jumping out of a helicopter and he kind of looks like a stupid stick figure, so I don't know what's going on there, but this is like if you played a primitive version of the original Far Cry and said, "Hey, I want to have the worst gaming experience on my Xbox Series X. What what can I play here?" And then you got 13. Yakuza Like a Dragon comes to console and PC on November 10th. It is optimized for Xbox Series X, but unfortunately, you haven't played Yakuza Kiwami 2 yet, so you gotta finish that before you get to this because you told yourself you would, and you're a huge fan of arbitrary bullshit like that. Now, I thought this game was gonna be on Game Pass originally because I thought everything shown during that third-party game presentation was a Game Pass game, and then this was just the one exception, I guess, so... It's not on Game Pass. I don't know when I'll get around to this one, but looks good. Love it. You know I'm a newfound fan of the Yakuza series. I think this is something you should play on your Series X. Next up, we got 50 Years, which is some old, boring-looking game that I don't recommend. We got uh, Sig Null. Sig.Null. 
I hate that they made me say that, so I'll skip it. Sparkle for four tails. Sparkle four tails. They put the actual number in it. Fuck that. Uh, Vera Blanc Full Moon, which is a game about a werewolf, as you would expect. Next, we got Unturned, which comes out November twelfth. I might have to download this. So, Unturned is like that weird Minecraft mod knockoff game. I played this on Steam forever ago. I need to see what this is all about. I didn't know that was coming to Xbox. That's that's weird. Might have to download that, actually. And then we got Beat Me, which is a story about my childhood when my dad got mad at me. Uh, Bouncy Bob 2 is one of those games that takes place in hell. Should have come out during Halloween. You waited too long. Now I don't care. And then we got Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War coming November 13th. It is optimized for the Xbox Series X and the Series S. This game is one of those games where it's like, okay, so you release the Infinite Warfare and doesn't do so well. You release the World War II, and it does, doesn't do so well. You release the Advanced Warfare, and it, and it kind of tanks, and people don't love it so much. So, who are you going to call? The Black Ops. So, and that's kind of what this game's about. It's it's about the when the new franchise doesn't take off, when the, when the players don't like the advanced mobility, when the players don't like when you evolve a franchise too much, what are you going to do? You call in the Black Ops, and you say, guys, we need you to... We need to call our, our uh, Black Ops, our special force team that comes in and, and makes the game old again. We need you to stop the franchise from progressing and being new and go back to what you did 10 years ago. And that's what Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War is all about. It's about going back in time uh, and making your new games old again so that people will play them. And, hey, it works for me because I can't wait to play this game. Drawn, 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 dungeon, drungeon, like a drawn dungeon. Fuck that. Exit the Gungeon, which is a game for iPhone that's now on Xbox, so I don't recommend that. Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory, which is that rhythm Kingdom Hearts game. If you think this is a suitable way to play your next-gen Xbox, then you deserve for the Xbox to go up in, in vape smoke and to have uh, someone's vape pen start smoking up your Xbox. Uh, the Sims 4 Snowy Escape Expansion Pack comes out November 13th, which reminds me you should definitely play SSX 3 on the PlayStation 2. It was a great game. And I like it a lot better than that. So that's going to do it for all of our new games of the week, guys. Thank you so much for sticking through the end. Remember, I'd love to hear more about your experience with the Xbox Series X, Series S. I am super excited to get back to mine. Super excited to maybe download Unturned or whatever that game was I said that I wanted to check out. Now I totally forgot. But yeah, I mean, what an exciting week, guys. we got a brand new next-gen console. I feel like I was going to go on longer and longer talking about that. But I ended up not doing it. So I kind of feel like I didn't do a good job here. But at the same time, fuck it. I just want to get back to my new Xbox. Can you blame me? As a reminder, Games with Gold, you've got uh, Origami Shadow Edition for the rest of the month. you got uh, Swim Sanity from November 16th through December 15th. you got Full Spectrum Warrior uh, OG Xbox game available to the 15th. So download that by Sunday. And then Lego Indiana Jones, an Xbox 360 game available from November 16th, which is Monday through the rest of the month. So download those games, guys. Get your free games. Be a good guy. Do all that shit. And uh, until next next week, guys, I'm going to go back to my Series X. I hope you will go back to your Series X. I took the whole week off work for this shit, guys. I'm, I'm literally just existing to sleep, eat, and play Xbox, which is nice because this is the first time I've taken time off since I started this job. So I'm just, uh, I'm just enjoying playing some Xbox. Fuck you all and have a, we'll see you next week. Power your dreams.